Welcome into the Clap Trap. Brought to you by Ultrasound Productions. Now also playing on 90.7 WKKL. All right, welcome into another episode of the Clap Trap. We are back, and I have brought back Patriots underscore Andrew. Got to talk all about the Patriots in this one to start off the show because we're about to get into the Patriots season. We're about to get into the NFL season. And to be honest, I, I, I'm sick of talking about the Red Sox. So I got to talk all about the Patriots right now. We bring in our NFL insider in uh, Patriots underscore Andrew, like I said. We've brought you on before, obviously. We love bringing you on to the show to talk everything about this Patriots team. But right now, not a lot of people are liking this Patriots squad. Not a lot of people are liking what's happened in the preseason. So first of all, I got to say thank you to come on again, Andrew. And secondly, how are you feeling right now about the Patriots going through all this preseason talk? And everybody's pretty down on them. How are you feeling? I mean, I can so certainly understand why people are feeling the way that they do. You know, you have all these reports out of camp about the offense is struggling, the defense is struggling. What are they going to do? You know, typical doom and gloom Boston media. And then, you know, when you see the actual preseason games, you know, the offense hasn't looked particularly good. The defense has been, you know, pretty spotty at times. But I think the big distinction that people seem to miss is like they're not game planning these. They're just they have their things that like, hey, we're going to run out. We're going to run this. We're going to run that. We want to evaluate this guy, see how he does in this situation. They're not game planning against these opponents. And at the end of the day, that's what Bill Belichick's biggest strength is, or at least in my eyes, is that he can game plan better than literally anybody. So when he's not utilizing his greatest strength in these preseason games, I, I don't put a ton of stock into it. I don't. Yeah, I, I mean, that's there's a lot to it for that. I, I mean, also, yeah, like you said, they're running basic plays. I know another thing that I've been hearing a lot is they're trying to get the offense into kind of just pick the play, run the play. Don't really, don't go to the line. Don't really, you know, adjust for things that you're seeing or anything. Just get in there, simplify it, dumb it down and just kind of go, which takes away a big strength of Mac Jones, who's able to go up there and kind of diagnose where's the mic, who's doing what, and maybe flip a play or something like that. So I can see why he's getting frustrated. Do you think that that's going to lead to a complete, uh, not necessarily a completely different look when we go and play in Miami, but allowing him to kind of open up the playbook and, and open up his um, access to reading, reading the defenses and things like that. We've seen them in the two minute offense working pretty good in preseason. Do you think that that's going to change a lot for this team overall? Yeah, I do. I mean, but to be fair on the other side, that's going to be the same case for Miami and every other team in the league, you know, like n nobody's running their real stuff in the preseason. You're running a very vanilla, you know, offense. You just, you don't want to tip your hand as to what you're going to be doing in the regular season. So when it comes to stuff like that, like, yeah, Max going to get up to the line of scrimmage. He's going to look, okay. Like you said, Hey, who's the mic? Where's the pressure coming from? Who's my heart receiver? And you know, he's a lot of times going to audible into something based off of what he sees, whether it's getting rid of the ball quickly, or if he wants to take a shot downfield, it's going to be a lot different than what we saw in the preseason. And I mean, I don't want to totally write off everything in the preseason, you know, the offensive line, particularly the guards at times getting pushed back in the max lap. Like that's, that's definitely real. That's something to be concerned with. But as far as like, you know, the route combinations of the receivers, Oh, they're, they're not doing this and not doing that. They're not open enough. It's like, well, yeah, they're not, they're not tipping their hand at anything, you know, it's just, these are just one-on-one -on -one situations. So I think it's going to be, it's going to be a lot different than what you saw in the preseason, in my opinion. I would hope so. I think we all hope that at this point it's going to look a little different uh, and, and, you know, they aren't giving out. I know that the, the, 
the kind of sometimes the homers say this sometimes people are just joking when they see this but bill holds back on on certain plays until later on in the season because he doesn't want to give all of his plays away and i'm sure that's a similar thought process for the preseason that's not what you're trying to do you're not trying to actually show your hand as to this is the kind of offense that we're really going to run you're just trying to go out there get some reps in and try and hope that nobody gets injured and go from there but i gotta ask do you think that I mean, have you come back on the preseason at all? I, I mean, at this point, this feels to me like the least I've been hyped for a preseason ever. I feel like they've put the least amount of effort into it. It's been, uh, I mean, obviously we've gone down to just the three games now in the seasons. Um, and and you always thought when there was those four games, like the third preseason game, okay, I'm going to see the starters for a lot uh, and I'm going to see what this team is can actually be, this guy, that guy, what they're going to be able to do. Do you even put a lot of stock at this point into any of the preseason? Do you think that they should even be doing preseason games at this point? I'm starting to think that they shouldn't just do the practices. I mean, I, I don't put a ton of stock in them, no, because like you mentioned, the joint practices. I know the coaches, a lot of them would rather the guys just get the reps and practice like that. Um, I definitely think that they should keep going with at least three preseason games because at the end of the day, you, you have to have a ramp up period for these guys. You know, they have to, you know, get acclimated to going full speed out there, taking contact, stuff like that. Otherwise, I think if you were to get rid of preseason games, I think you'd see a lot more early season injuries, particularly like soft tissue ones, just because the conditioning is not there. Cause you can run as many drills as you want in camp at practice, whatever. But at the end of the day, you just can't simulate like game situations and game speed specifically. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's true. And the injuries is always a factor. And obviously, that's going to play a big uh, role going forward, not only for our team, but other teams as well. And you're listening to my conversation with Andrew talking everything about the Patriots offseason, getting ready for this new season. We'll talk more about that. When we come back after this on 90.7 WKKL. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. You're listening to the conversation I had with Andrew talking all things Patriots. Let's get back into it. And, you know, you didn't see a ton of real major injuries for the Patriots so far, probably because they've been holding back a lot of their players. I know you got guys, you know, fifth string wide receivers like Wilkerson, who's going to the IR and different players uh, who are going to be doing that. And you just had the cutdowns as well. Uh, do you feel like there was any players that you were surprised that got cut? Do you think that there was any players that you wish they would have kept? I know we have guys like Devin Asiasi. He was the only one that was picked up from another team. He got let go. And that makes it look a little interesting from the tight end perspective of when we drafted those guys and what they weren't able to do, basically him and Dalton Keene. Were you surprised by any of the cuts or were you thinking that they was kind of spot on with where, where you were lined up thinking for the team? Um, for the most part, I mean, once Asiasi got cut, who like, I know he got claimed, but it kind of feels like a lot of teams are just throwing darts at the tight end position right now. You have like OJ Howard and guys like that getting claimed. But once Asiasi was cut, I expected a little Jordan Humphrey to make the initial 53 kind of as a hybrid tight end, so to speak that with like, you know, obviously his special teams prowess. I thought he would have made the 53 for sure once that happened, but he did get brought back on the practice squad. It's, you know, the same rules as the COVID years where it's, you can have 16 guys, three game day elevations. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see him on the active roster at some point this year. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, uh, the defensive lineman from Alabama, LeBron Ray, I was really high on him. He was a five-star recruit, um, just really couldn't stay healthy, but he has like the body and the frame to be an NFL defensive lineman. He looks pretty good in practices. I think just because of, you know, 
how often he wasn't on the field in college. He's going to need a little bit more of a ramp up period, but he's shown flashes and he looks good. He also made it to the practice squad. So there's actually quite a few guys on the practice squad that I have high hopes for. Yeah, and nowadays the the practice squad means even more, right? Because, uh, you know, since COVID and everything like that, they've actually put more emphasis on the practice squad and making sure that those players, I know they're getting paid more uh, now to just be on the practice squad as well. So it's actually a position that people want to go for. And, yeah, I was a little upset that little Jordan Humphrey uh, didn't get, you know, picked for the team just because of his name alone. I've just liked him just because of his name. I mean, how can you beat little Jordan Humphrey? That's a great name. Uh, so hopefully we'll get to see him at some point. I know he put in a ton of effort in the preseason, obviously, like you said, on the special teams unit as well. So, uh, it, you know, he's going to work for that spot. Those are the kind of guys that Belichick likes. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see him at some point along the line. And, and hopefully we do because I, I do like the guy, not just from the name, but I do like the guy overall uh, and we're talking with Patriots underscore Andrew my good friend Andrew about everything Patriots football right now we're about to get lined up for the season it's all starting next weekend uh, or, or next Thursday I should say uh, and we're we've seen the preseason we've gotten all the reports we we know that a lot of people are down a lot of the media as you said the doom and gloom Boston sports media are very down on this team when some years they're they're up some years they're down uh, when you think that they shouldn't be. Have you changed your mind at all after all of this going into the season? I believe when we last talked about this team, you said that they were maybe a 10-win team somewhere around there. Do you do you think that you're changing your opinion on that right now with the way that uh, you know things have played out for other teams, like, for example, the Browns, who are not going to have their starting quarterback when we play them, or you know the injuries and things like that, and the way that the Patriots have looked? Have you changed your tune at all? Do you think that they're still around that type of uh, win team, 10-win team? Do you think they're more or less? Where are you at at this point? I mean, I, I have them at nine if I, you know, had to pick a number and put money on it right now. Um, the Vegas over-under is set at eight and a half. They're typically pretty good at what they do. And just based on the odds at eight and a half, it seems Vegas tends to lean towards nine wins for them. So, you know, if you ask the Boston media, they're a four-win team. You know, if you ask some of the homers around here, you, hey, they're Super Bowl contenders. Uh, the answer usually is somewhere in the middle. You know, they're definitely not a contending team, or at least I wouldn't expect them to be. They'd have to get extraordinarily lucky to be the team that, you know, comes out of the AFC. But I think it's just another building block here. Um, I think you're going to see, you know, a little bit of experimentation kind of with the offense this year to see like, Hey, like what do we need to do to rectify this in 2023 when we have all this cap space? So I think a lot of people have gotten kind of spoiled by the 20 years of success that we had here that it's like, this is year two of a rebuild. Like winning in the NFL is very difficult and you don't have the anomaly that is Tom Brady here anymore. You know, it's going to take time and you know, it's not, it's not always linear progress. Sometimes, you know, it's going to be two, two steps forward, one step back type of thing. But I think at the end of the day, the window for this team to truly contend opens in 2023, as long as they continue to develop players, if they can you know, have a strong draft this coming offseason, and if they bring in the right guys in free agency. Yeah, and it seems like it's going to be another year of hopefully they're going to be spending in free agency after this season. You know, that doesn't do anything for this season, but it looks like the future could be bright for them, which is, is a nice thing to be able to see. And obviously you feel confident that they do have the quarterback right now, at least, to be able to continue on forward. And that's a huge part of it. we got to take a break, but after we come back, we will be talking more about the Patriots with Andrew on 90.7 WKKL. 
The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. Listening to the conversation I had with Andrew talking everything Patriots. Let's get back into it. But you mentioned that they're, uh, you know, Vegas is looking at them as more of like a nine win team over eight and a half, just barely there. I'm seeing also odds of Patriots making the playoffs at around plus 140, plus 160. If you had your last hundred dollars that you were ever going to have in your entire life, would you put that on the Patriots this season or how are you feeling? Well, I think just over the course of a season, there's so many things that can happen, whether it be injuries. I mean, you know, they could week one go out and lose Trent Brown for the year, to knock on wood. Uh, and, you know, but that's going to change the entire season long outcome, all of their projections. So I think there's a lot smarter bets that you could make with that last hundred dollars for sure. Um, but I, I wouldn't totally rule them out of the playoffs. I mean, I would certainly rule them out of a deep playoff run, but I mean, a lot of people would have ruled them out of the playoffs last year and they made it granted they got spanked, but they still made it to the playoffs. And I think a lot of those Vegas odds are based off not only the Buffalo bills being in the division, but also looking at Miami being up and coming, which they have a really strong roster. They got a couple of dynamic threats on offense. They get some real players on defense. They finally went out and got themselves a left tackle, but at the end of the day, it's still a rookie head coach who's never done this before. And, you know, Bill Belichick, typically when he plays against a rookie head coach, the same way he does against a rookie quarterback, he kind of tends to pick them apart and make them look bad. Now, I'm not saying that'll necessarily happen week one, because at the end of the day, that's a pretty stacked roster, but things are already kind of starting to shape up in the Patriots' favor for week one. I mean, you have Jalen Waddle dealing with some undisclosed injury. He hasn't been practicing. Um, Byron Jones, a number two corner, who's, you know, a number one corner on a lot of other teams. He's right. starting the season on IR. He won't be out there. So a lot of those dominoes are starting to fall. And I think the strength of the Patriots right now is certainly not star power. I think we can all agree there. And while they're, you know, while they lack in depth at some positions, they have a ton of it at other positions. So I think depth is really the kind of the strength of the Patriots team right now. And that a lot of times wins out over the course of the 17 game season. Yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be a huge factor to it. Obviously, a lot of these games are going to be knockdown, drag out battles for the Patriots that they're going to be hopefully in it. And, you know, you can hope that this Patriots defense, we've heard some decent things about them overall. They be, they'll be able to keep you in it. And then you figure out the offense as you go a little bit. But you mentioned Trent Brown. That could be a major focal point on the team. Obviously, he switched over from right tackle to left tackle going into this season. And as you said, you know, if you were to lose a player like that, that could change your entire season it already kind of feels though like you're starting to lose him mentally going into the year are you a little bit worried at all about the discontent that you're seeing with the offensive line specifically I mean I know we know uh you know Wynn got moved from left tackle to right tackle he was going into a contract year he's going to want to get that big deal and now he's sitting there at right tackle being like I'm not going to get the contract that I want Trent Brown it moved to left tackle but he signed a right tackle kind of contract we've heard all that and how people think that that's going to make him not want to try as hard are you worried at all about what you're hearing behind the scenes about these guys kind of having some negative thoughts about their changes in their roles do you think that that's going to affect the team at all or where are you at with all of that I mean it definitely can I don't worry about it to the degree of a lot of other people do because they're like, hey, what if we lose this guy mentally just gives up? Well, hey man, at the end of the day, you're on a contract year and you're playing for that next contract, you know? So you need to put those feelings aside if you want that payday because whether you get it here or whether you get it somewhere else, if you don't perform this year, you're not getting paid. And I mean, somebody 
like Trent Brown, I understand you came back in kind of a team-friendly deal, you know, to make that trade work with the Raiders. You wanted to be back here. You came in, the understanding that you're playing right tackle. You get moved over to left, and, you know, that's obviously a much higher-paid position. Um, a lot of people look at it as a more crucial position. I think I'm not so sure that's the case nowadays with the best, you know, edge rushers kind of going back and forth from each side. Right. But I think with Trent, like, I think he'll lock in mentally once the season starts because he's just so physically dominant that it's like once he gets his hands on a player, like the rep's over. That's it. Like you're not you're not moving him. You're not disengaging from him. He's just an absolute mountain of a man. Um, and I think at the end of the day, New England is where he wants to be. He's like he's you know been pretty vocal that he likes it a lot better than any of his other stops in the NFL. And I think you know the Patriots might read redo his deal. You know, extend him during the season or something, you know, give him a little bump this year and some security for next year. When you look at the Isaiah Wynn thing, I mean, he wasn't getting a big payday next year, whether he's at left or right tackle. I mean, <laughs> I've, I've had him written off for quite a while. Um, I was very surprised over a year ago when they picked up his fifth year option. I was not a fan of that move as we've talked about on here. Um, I wanted to draft his replacement in this last draft in the top uh, top two rounds, as we talked about, um, obviously that didn't happen. I think that's going to be a high priority for the draft next year. But I think Isaiah Wynn, regardless of what happens this year, he's he's going to be gone at the end of the 2022 season. Um, and I don't think he's in line for a major payday. And I don't think where he plays this year is going to change that. Yeah, he's got, he's going to have to show up one way or the other, like you said, to get that contract. So. Yeah, make make the best out of the situation that you're in, but we're going to take another break, so keep it right here on 90.7 WKKL, and we will be back with more of The Claptrap. The Claptrap, with your host, Zach Clapp. We're back with more of the conversation with Andrew about the Patriots. Here we go. I hope that you're right with uh, Trent Brown as well. I think you are right uh, because there's nothing more intimidating, I would think, on a football field than seeing Trent Brown coming out on a run play and running upfield to be able to try and block somebody. That's got to be one of the scariest things that you can see as a defensive player, that mountain of a man coming downfield trying to just blow up somebody as he goes. So hopefully that whole thing works out. Hopefully none of the uh, the major off-field issues create any problems for this team. But there's another one that I got to talk about sticking with the offense right now in one of my favorite players from last season, Kendrick Bourne. Now you're hearing all these issues. I mean, I guess it hasn't just started. We've been hearing it kind of since the Devontae Parker situation happened. He comes in. All of a sudden, it start, you start hearing things about Kendrick Bourne not liking his role or Kendrick Bourne not being happy with the you know what's going on with the team, the new offense, all that kind of stuff. Now you're hearing that there's teams interested in trading for him and the Patriots aren't going out there trying to shop him, but they're picking up the phone and listening to what people have to say. Are you as worried as I am about the Kendrick Bourne situation? Because at the very minimum, I think he's at least for this entire offseason, tuned everything out. So he might be able to come back and jump back in and be good with Mac Jones. They created good chemistry, but it seems like he started to tune things out, and maybe that's because his role has changed. Are you worried about Kendrick Bourne? Uh, not particularly, no. I mean, you mentioned teams are picking up the phone, calling to, you know, trade for him. You know, this obviously there's got to be interest. He's a good receiver. He showed that last year. You know, he – could be a breakout candidate for this year and he's on a super cheap contract so there's always going to be interest i mean the same way probably plenty of teams interested in trading for you know justin jefferson doesn't mean the vikings are going to do it you know um i think with Bourne too he didn't he didn't have like that 
much of a standout camp last year either. You know, he's just, some guys just aren't practice players. They just kind of go somewhere else mentally on game day and they lock in and they perform. And it, to me, it seems like that's the kind of guy that he is. And, you know, obviously people were asking about trading for him. You know, I think a lot of teams were kind of asking about Aguilar as well, if the Patriots were willing to eat some of that money on the deal. Um, just because, you know, teams, you need wide receivers more than ever. And before the Taekwon Thornton injury, when he was kind of flashing, looking good, it looked like, hey, you might have five or six NFL receivers on this roster. So, of right. course, teams are going to call and ask, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, I think I think he's going to be a major contributor this year. I don't, I don't think you're going to see him, you know, getting peppered with 10 targets per game. But as always, like the Patriots do, it's going to be more matchup specific. I know. You know, there's a lot of people looking at the Devontae Parker trade. Like, they play two different positions. If anything, him being on the outside, you know, drawing safety help, that's going to open things up underneath for Kendrick Bourne, create more yak opportunities and, you know, easy targets against single coverage and things like that. Last year, teams were kind of, you know, zeroing in on him towards the end of the year because it's like, hey, who else do they have? It's him and Hunter Henry on third downs, you know, obviously Jacoby Myers. But, you know, it was just kind of they they knew what you were going to do, who you were going to throw to in what situation. So I think there's definitely a path to an expanded role statistically for Kendrick Bourne this year, just based off of getting less attention from defenses. Yeah, that's it. that hopefully is the case. And I hope that he does kind of just show up and put all of that nonsense to the side and let's not have anybody be angry about anything. The team does change. We, like you said, we're still rebuilding. You got to figure out what's happening with the, the team, what players' roles are going to be, and what we're going to be able to be good at. And I'm talking with pa- Patriots underscore Andrew here. We'll bring him on all the time to talk all football topics. Uh, and we're talking all about the Patriots right now because they do start up next week, which is a, a huge time of year. We can't wait as Patriots fans, as NFL fans, everybody's excited for it, but the the preseason hasn't been the best for us. And, uh, you know, we were just talking about the offensive side of things. Now I got to flip it to the defensive side of the ball. I already talked kind of about some of the cuts that they made on this team. And I know that one of the things going into this year was what is the linebacker situation going to be like? And is this team going to be able to improve from their slow, clunky, gigantic linebackers that they had last year to something a little bit faster? You're seeing guys like Mac Wilson come in and change the speed of things, but you're also seeing guys like McGrone get cut in the in, in this offseason and not make the team a, a player that they thought was going to be somebody who could come in off of an injury, got drafted pretty high for the team. Are you worried at all about the the linebackers or the front seven at all right now with some of the cuts that they made? Or do you think that you're you're kind of happy with their where they're at starting off the season right now? I'm totally fine with where they are in the front seven. You know, like eventually they were going to have to hand over the reins to some of these younger guys. Um, I know Cam McGrown got cut. I was I was pretty high on him coming out of Michigan, but you know, he showed, he showed that he can definitely play in the NFL throughout this camp. I think the problem with him is that he hasn't played football since November, 2020, you know, when he tore his ACL in college. So it's, it's going to take a little bit of time for him to, you know, ramp up, get some of that explosiveness back and adjust to the NFL game. I mean, I think that's why he's on the practice squad. I think if they thought that they thought somebody else might claim him off waivers. They might have put him on the 53, but I think they knew they could kind of sneak him through and get him onto the practice squad, let him continue to develop. Um, you mentioned Mac Wilson. I think that was a great trade. I mean, he's kind of coming. He's faster. He's a coverage specialist as a linebacker. He can do a lot of things. Um, I also like Raekwon McMillan. He's played very well throughout this camp as well. Uh, you know, former high pick. So I, I was never really worried about the linebackers coming into camp just because I looked at it as, 
you know, between those two guys I just mentioned, Josh Uche, um, I, I had thought about an off-the-ball role for him. You have Juwan Bentley to be your early down thumper. Um, there's also Ronnie Perkins as an outside linebacker who he ended up on IR. It just There was a lot of guys that had been highly drafted that were in the mix. So it's like, you know, you have four or five darts like that, like somebody's going to pan out. That was always my kind of my expectation of it anyways. Um, looks like Mac Wilson and Raekwon McMillan are kind of the passing down guys. Obviously, we knew Bentley was going to have his role in early downs. So right. I, I'm not really concerned about the front seven at all. If anything, I think the biggest question mark is the cornerbacks. All right, that's a good question because uh, I was actually going to ask you about that next. And we're going to do that right after this on 90.7 WKKL. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clap. Talking all things Patriots with Patriots underscore Andrew. Let's get back into the conversation. The cornerback situation, obviously, you saw a guy like Terrence Mitchell, another one who got cut from the team, which I don't know. I mean, I think that he flashed early on in the in the offseason and the preseason, everything like that. But I guess you didn't really see anything from him after that. You got the, the Jones guys, the two Joneses coming in for corners uh, as the rookies and everything there. So right now, and you're also having to move guys like Jonathan Jones from a slot position to an outside position. You, you said you're a little worried about it. What's your biggest fear when it comes to the cornerback situation right now? Just overall how young and inexperienced the group is, I would feel a lot better about it if they had held on to a veteran presence like Terrence Mitchell. Um, I just think, you know, he's a guy who, He's going to keep his composure. He's not flashy, but he's fundamentally sound. And, you know, he's just kind of always where he's supposed to be. He's never freelancing doing any of that type of stuff like we used to see with, like, Jamie Collins as a linebacker just running amok trying to make splash plays. Um, I think, you know, I really like Jalen Mills. He's done very well. I would have liked to have seen somebody a little more established across from him. Um, Jonathan Jones has been a pleasant surprise moving out of the slot. I wasn't sure how that was going to go, but... I mean, it, it might just be so game plan specific on defense matchup wise like that, too. You know, you have an outside threat like Tyree Kill also with Jalen Waddle on the same team. Like one of these guys is going to be lined up on the outside with a ton of speed. So with John Jones being as fast as he is, it make it does make sense having him on the outside. He has looked pretty good in that role. Um, we've obviously seen flashes out of Jack Jones in the preseason. He you know, he's got a nose for the ball for sure. And he just, you know, he can be a little risky in coverage sometimes. So I think that's kind of where I'd want to see more of a veteran just in case, you know, he kind of goes off the rails early on in his career as young players tend to do, you know, just growing pains. Uh, Marcus Jones has been everything he's been advertised to be, but at the end of the day, he's a smaller guy. He's pretty short, um, kind of just kind of has to play the slot. Um, I mean, there's definitely a ton of potential with the group, but I think we might see some growing pains early on. But, I mean, that also tends to be the case with the Patriots' defense year after year, too. So we'll see. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a big question mark of the team. And I've been hopeful. We had talked about it before. I've been hopeful that maybe the safeties that we have on this team, obviously you got McCourty that's always going to be back there. I I mean, I like Duggar, even though he made some <laughs> made like one of the worst plays that I've seen in preseason uh, in that third game there. So, 
do you feel confident that the safeties, we've talked about this before, it seemed like they were bringing in a lot of safeties. Maybe they're trying to change up the way that the defense is going to be run, play a lot more of those guys, maybe in even middle, in like linebacker type situations. Do you think the safeties are going to be able to come through and make up for a lot of those holes at the cornerback position overall? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the deepest, strongest uh, group on the defense. I mean, as you mentioned, um, you know, Duggar, he can – I saw him a couple times in the preseason lineup at outside linebacker. I mean, I saw him absolutely flatten the uh, number six overall pick offensive tackle for Carolina, you know, on a play. So it's like he's – he packs a punch for sure. He can definitely play closer up to the line. I think that's ultimately going to be where his strength is, is you can kind of just move him around anywhere. You can say the same about Adrian Phillips, who's obviously a favorite of mine. Um, I just – I really like what they've – done with the versatility of these guys because a lot of them like Jabril, uh, Jabril Peppers we haven't seen a ton of him because he's working his way back from injury but you know he can be kind of more of a sub package linebacker and when you have as many of these different guys that can you know play so many different roles and you can really disguise your coverage and what you're going to do who's going to be playing where and I think we'll probably see a lot more zone looks because of that just there seems like they're just kind of loading up on hybrid athletes on the back end and I look at that as basically, hey, we have to build some type of defense to try and stop Josh Allen. And yeah. the way to do it is not paying a ton of cornerbacks because, frankly, you just you can't do it in today's NFL with the salary cap. And right. with the wide receiver talent out there, just you're not ever going to be able to match up with these guys man-to-man for the most part unless you're really nailing your drafts and you have these guys on cheap deals. So I think we're going to see a lot of um, – a lot. A lot of different looks than we're used to this year on defense, particularly in the secondary. And I think that you'll see a lot more zone and kind of just guys, guys just drifting in and out of different roles. You don't know who's doing what on any given play. That's good, though. You want to have that athletic team. Obviously, you went from last year. One of the biggest complaints that a lot of us had was they were slow and clunky. And you saw it against, like you said, against Josh Allen, against the Bills. Got absolutely smoked in those last two games of the season. Defense couldn't stop them whatsoever. But, you know, you, you come to this season now, and it does seem like they're trying to focus on that athleticism, which is going to be good, I think, uh, in the long run for this team. But we're going to take one last break before we finish the conversation with Andrew after this on 90.7 WKKL. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clap. Finishing up our conversation with Andrew, we talked all things Patriots. Let's get into some more. Speaking of long run, and I'm talking with Andrew here, my Patriots insider, my football guy. Uh, we, we talked at the beginning of, or, or it was actually, I think, schedule release day about where Vegas had this team on odds to be able to go to the Super Bowl, which I know that's crazy to think. Uh, but at the time, they had them at plus 4,000. They've only moved them up from what I've seen to about plus 4,200. So it seems like they're not as down on this Patriots team as others have been. Like you said, the, the sports media around here, very down on this team overall but i have seen teams like miami shoot up the board and some of these other afc teams that i didn't think were as good moving up the board do you think once again with the whole miami situation i i'm a doubter on miami once again just because i have no faith in tua and in all honesty i i the rookie uh, coach could be great 
but I, I just really felt disrespected for Flores on the way that they handled that situation. So I just want the rookie coach to not be even that good for Miami. Do you think that teams like Miami, once again, are getting that push in the offseason as look at the roster, look at what this is going to be the time that they finally break out. But do you think they're going to fall back down to earth? Or do you think there's something to some of these new AFC teams that are popping up and are going to be good throughout the season? I mean, I think it's the same story as it always is with these off-season champions, so to speak. You know, hey, Miami, they won the off-season. You know, they got um, Teron Armstead, left tackle from the Saints. They got Tyree Kill. You know, they made this move and that move. And, so, yeah, they won the off-season. And, you know, the Patriots are no different. We saw that with them two years ago. Like, hey, Patriots won the off-season. Well, what did that get them? You know, you don't, you don't really build a contender for the most part through free agency and trades you know you really have to do it through the draft typically i mean every now and then you'll see a team like the rams go out and get some you know high price guys like they brought in jalen ramsey matt stafford you know uh vaughn miller and sometimes it can work but it, it almost always doesn't because at the end of the day you need those cheaper guys on your roster to really make up a strong middle class you know it's just the economics of it um as far as you know vegas not moving the patriots around too much i think you know it's probably right around where they should be you know they the reality of it is they are a, a middle of the pack team that has potential to be better but it's not like they're a top roster or anything like that um you know like the boston media probably thinks that they should be at you know plus fifteen thousand or whatever all that doom and gloom but i think you know a lot of that is negativity sells and on top of that you know belichick is not the most media friendly guy in the world you know he's definitely snubbed his nose up at them more than a few times he's been short with them um i think a lot of them have taken that to heart over the years and they're just looking forward to any opportunity they have to kind of dance in the patriots grave so to speak and kind of rub it in his face for once um yeah. Is that a wise thing to do? I would say no. You know, I would never rule out Bill Belichick because it's like, you know, a lot of people have year after year after year and they keep getting proved wrong. And really all Bill has to do is win one war without Brady and say, hey, see, I told you so, then ride off into the sunset. It's true. It's true. Probably won't be this year, but I think he's got a few more years left in him, so he'll be okay on that side of things. But yes, a lot of the uh, the media who have wanted to be able to bash on him, a lot of uh, you know the, the fans that have wanted to be able to bash on him, especially since Brady leaving, they're getting their time in the sun to really be able to hammer him right now because in the offseason, it all looks terrible, and now's the time to jump on him So or, or the team in general. So we'll see how things go uh, going into the year. But we won't know how it's going to be until we actually see this team step on the field for real. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But uh, just got to finish up here with Andrew. Uh, Patriots underscore Andrew on Twitter. If you're not following him already, he is a great follow for all Patriots information. And he actually just got a new gig that I wanted to be able to give you a second to kind of talk about here to wrap everything up. So if you could just talk real quickly about your new uh, writing gig that you're going to be working on. Yeah, so I just joined the team at 365 Scores. Um, I'm going to be covering not just the Patriots, as I have been, but um, just NFL as a whole. And a lot of it is going to be betting angles. Um, so as you know, we've done the betting podcast with you. Uh, that's worked out pretty well. We had a really good competition last year. So I'll be pretty much putting out all of my picks and all of my thoughts on all the spreads, odds, whatever, through articles on 365 Scores. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just another another paid gig to write about football. So who's going to say no to that, you know? 
Yep. Can't complain. Can't complain about that stuff. Well, good stuff as always. I just want to say thank you again for coming on to the show. And we'll obviously have you on, probably try to get you on every single week to be able to go through this Patriot season. Going to be a lot of things to talk about. So I'll be looking forward to talking with you again. All right. Yeah. Looking forward to coming back. It's a pleasure as always. That's going to do it for today's episode. Just want to say thank you to everyone tuning in on 90.7 WKKL. Once again, thank you to Andrew, Patriots underscore Andrew on Twitter. Go follow him if you are not yet. He's got great content about the NFL, the Patriots, everything going on. We'll have him on a lot for the remainder of this season uh, as the Patriots get into what should be a very difficult one. So we'll be back again next week. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Keep it right here on 90.7 WKKL for more of the Capes Classic Alternative. I'll see you next week. Later. Later.